we're in our second talk of our Gift of Joy series, and we're excited because uh, as we go through this four-week series leading up to Christmas Eve, even the Seahawks adjusted their schedule next Sunday so that we wouldn't miss the morning. They changed their 10 o'clock game to 125. So, you know, it's just we're just having in with them, and uh, it's all good. No, we're excited to walk through this and fill our lives with joy. And last week we read this passage. We're going to read it again this week. We kind of concluded with it last week. But we, we're in Luke 2. And in the end of the story where the shepherds hear from an angel and they, they, this angel shows up in a field at night when they're tending to their sheep and says, hey, fear not. I bring you good tidings of great joy and that whole scene plays out that we have on nativities around our home. And the, the, it tells the shepherds, go find this baby in a manger. And uh, it is the Son of God. The Savior has been born. And so what happens in the end of the story is the shepherds obey. And it says they hurried to the village, in verse 16, and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and that the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept these things in her heart and thought about them often. Also says in other translations that she was mindful of these things. Our big idea today... To a world that is full of stress right now and worry and anxiety and what missile can reach us and who's getting like arrested, who's doing this, what mass murders happening over here, what's going on, we could be consumed with anxiety. Imagine yourself being Mary and being told you're giving birth to the Son of God. I think she was facing anxiety. And our big idea today is anxiety wants to steal your joy. Like this season, these angels say, we bring you good tidings of great joy. But boy, there's so much competing with that joy, isn't there? Just life, normal life competes with that joy. But then in the season of Christmas, it seems like there's such an overwhelming existence of anxiety. Anxiety is not new. And anxiety has a target it wants to rob you of your joy. Anxiety, um, as we kind of talked last week, we looked at joy and, and the, the fact that we can obey God and, and gain access to this joy. It's an emotion. It becomes something that's in our heart that potentially overflows to all around us. And it's an experience we have, but the anxiety wants to still the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life. And fill our minds and hearts with a voice of doubt and insecurity and concern to where now we're consumed with anxiety. We can't have that voice we hear of the Holy Spirit leading us to obedience. We have the voice of anxiety in our head that keeps us paralyzed. There was a ton of anxiety in the first Christmas. Yeah, reading into it. But just think about it. So in Luke 1, an angel shows up and tells Mary, a teenager, that she is going to be the mother of Jesus, the Savior of the world. And her first response is, she's confused and disturbed. 
<laughs> I get it, right? Imagine that happening to you or your child, your teen daughter, and their reaction to that. How, how would Mary, was, it says, was blessed among women, and yet she was just like us. She's just, she's human. She's not deity. She had to have been full of concern or anxiety. How would you respond tonight if you're in your kitchen doing some dishes or whatever is happening and you hear a little noise behind you and you, you turn around and there's a very large being there, maybe Dwayne Johnson-ish in The Rock, you know, dressed like he was in uh, The Tooth Fairy, maybe, you know, kind of a, a weird angelish costume going on and, and standing there saying, He'd probably give that, like, wink thing and do not be concerned. I bring you good tidings great joy. And you're like, yeah, you are going to be a millionaire today because you're, the gold you have is going to be worth $10 million tomorrow. And you'd be going like, wow, I, I'm confused a little. Let me explain. I have no gold. I have... I've never looked at, I haven't held, I haven't touched gold. I haven't even clicked on the gold website. I've never done gold, if you know what I'm saying. This is my way of not being the parent in your family and explaining those birds and bees. Anyway, so, you know, gold. And uh, uh, so there's no way, I haven't done the gold acquisition task yet. How can I be $10 million richer tomorrow? Now that's a light illustration of what it'd be like to be told, you're pregnant, by the way. And it's the Son of God. Cool? <laughs> Anxiety. Think about that. What do I eat? What would the Son of God want? Right? If I have a craving for a pickle, does the Son of God like pickles? You know, dipped in syrup. I don't know what your cravings are uh, when, when you're pregnant, ladies. But, you know, just a random craving. Eggle waffles. I don't know. But back in that day hummus or something so uh, what would they have wanted right well just as this would be a huge challenge to comprehend having Dwayne Johnson telling you you're going to be a millionaire you're going to be confused you're going to be full of anxiety you're going to be well take this nine months later she's laying there and uh, she has a bunch of visitors when she has a baby like right at that moment now I know a lot of friends that they have a baby and they're not they don't want people coming into the room right then when they have the baby and just like strangers that just came off the field there's a safe distance right they're like germs safe distance they're in a manger it's all confusing anxiety what am I doing to this baby I'm not in the proper home anxiety she could have reacted in a panic but what you see is she responds by just keeping these things in her heart, by being mindful of these things. She really responds instead of reacts there. Interesting enough, as life continues, have you ever lost a child before? Like you've had your child lost. Go back to those emotions. I remember when we lost Jaden, our now 10-year-old, but she's five-ish at the time or whatever. We were at the super mall, so if you lose them there, they're gone forever. But anyway, we were there, and we realized she was gone, and it's like, 
panic. I've, I've never ran at a mall. I've seen speed walkers at a mall, but I was a runner that day. I just sprinted out of the store, and I'm like, Jada, Jada, Jada. Ran around looking for her, freaking out. And then a security guard was like, are you looking for a girl? Yeah, she's at security finder holding a balloon with a dude at security. Where'd you go? Oh, I walked out. I couldn't find you. And, and, and so I asked this guy to help. You talked to a stranger? He said he was a nice stranger. That's what they say. He gave me a balloon. They do that too. What are you doing? We were freaking out. There's a lot of teaching after that that had to happen. But Mary and Joseph every year make this trip to Jerusalem for the Passover and uh, this annual trip as a family and, and with lots of different families. It's a caravan and they're, they're on their way to Jerusalem. They do all the stuff there to celebrate the Passover. They're on their way home and there's so many people. They, they just assume their child is with them and then they realize, where is Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? No. It's, how many days has it been? Oh, I just figured he was with, you know, the Smiths. Um, where is he? You know, and they, they start going around. They can't find Jesus. They lost the Son of God. <laughs> like, if you don't have anxiety, now you do right? Jesus was 12 at the time. I mean, this was like Stranger Things season one, right? It was just incredible. He's lost. And they're trying to figure out what in the world is up with Jesus. They go back and they find Jesus. Just imagine that conversation, if you will, in your head, if you've had a 12-year-old, just starting to really know more than you, right? Usually, everything they know everything definitely more than you and constantly and when they're like Jesus where were you and he's like well you had to know I was about my father's business don't you smart off with me boy right can you see Mary like did the anxiety go off did she react like I brought you into this world I could take you out Jesus would be like well did you really like did you bring me into this world well don't you talk back to me I could just see that be amazing. Joseph would be like, Mary, remember. Okay. It's like a, That'd be tough. I mean, come on. Jesus has some leverage as a teen in this home, you know? Come on, mom. You can't spank the son of God. Oh, yes, I can. You know? It's just like, wow, mama mad. But she doesn't. You don't see that. You don't see like a commentary about people around them restraining Mary. You just see them have a dialogue with their son, who happens to be the son of God. Mary had this deal with dealing with anxiety. And I believe it was this joy in her heart. She was able to respond instead of react. And how do we develop that lifestyle? How do we develop these skills in our own life so that anxiety doesn't steal away the joy God so desperately wants us to live in? How can we hold on to joy? Paul, one of the new disciples in the New Testament, he wrote most of the books after the Gospels in the New Testament, and he is totally a transformed person. He was a persecuted Christian and then finds himself making a decision to follow Jesus and just totally does this 180 in his world. 
he lays out six principles that we can carry out in our life to hold on to joy. And we wanted to share those with you today. They're very simple, and you'll find them in Philippians 4. But the first one is we need to rejoice. And we even sing about it, right? Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. During Christmas, we're just like, rejoice is in a lot of songs. Philippians 4.4 4 says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. So how do you be, like, if I was going to bottle up joy in the Lord, what do I call it? Well, Paul just calls it rejoice. Rejoice. This is what the shepherds did in the story. After they find baby Jesus in the manger, and they figure out everything the angel told them was true, they share it with everybody and go back to their flock, glorifying and rejoicing God. It's like this natural response of joy is that we would rejoice. Um. Have you, I don't know if you've got your Christmas lights up yet in your neighborhood. If you're anywhere near the White River Estates, you may see ours um, in the fog going up. This bright white light thing. No, we put up a lot of lights. All right. Sorry, Joe, if you can't sleep at night. It's awesome. Uh, I actually, uh, some of our neighbors on Facebook last night were like, hey, was your power flickering? Was your power flickering? And I commented, sorry, we turned our lights on. And then our new neighbor across the street, whom we've yet to meet, took a picture from his upstairs window and said he's not kidding. And it was like you couldn't even see. It was this bright. It was like, it was hilarious. I was like, sorry, dude. Welcome to the neighborhood across the street from us. But we get into the lights. I get into the lights. And this year, I decided to be safer. I've been told by many neighbors who've fallen off their roofs, I need to clip in. And we have this little, like, hook on top of our house that is supposed to hold a lot of weight. Because if I fall... Anyway, so we... um, I don't have, like, the harness, like if you're going to be a legit, like, roofer guy. Nor did I probably have the right rope, but I do have some rope that says it could hold eh, maybe five pounds less than I weigh. So I took that rope, and I watched YouTube on how to make like a homemade rope harness, which did probably inhibit the circulation in my legs for a while. But I tie this contraption off, and I'm through the loop, which is at a dangerous spot of the roof to go that I don't even usually go to. But to put up this star contraption that I usually like risk death for, putting up, I tied in for that. So I felt good about myself. But really, when you think about where the landing is in the center of our roof, and if I fall, I'm just going to kind of swing around. I'm going to go through a window, or I'm going to hang to my death on the side of the house. I don't know how that keeps me safer. And so, and then I started to think, you know, there's all these people that have climbed like these incredible mountains and they go up rock faces that have never been climbed before and they do this for fun I've not done that but they'll clip in like what every 20 feet or so 10 feet or so they'll climb up mountains and I'm worried about falling like 20 feet off my roof these guys are climbing 
hundreds of feet on a sheer rock face, and they just take this thing and... And they're trusting their life to, like, this little hook. It's called an anchor, right? And my little anchor on my roof is nothing in comparison to the courage they have. But it's interesting when you think about this. Every point they anchor, they get confident and secure. Because if they fall after that anchor, after things get harder, and maybe they're climbing up a rougher patch of, of rock, or there's some loose rock, and they fall... If not the first anchor, the second anchor is going to hold. Well, rejoice in that spirit of rejoicing. Every time we stop and we identify what it is God has done in our life that has helped us, that has brought us through, that has provided for us, every time we stop and rejoice, we put an anchor in. It's security, even if just in the mind. And then we climb a little farther and things get a little harder, but we anchor in. Thank you, God. You helped me through that. And then we go a little higher and we anchor in. That's what rejoicing does. Rejoicing is an anchor in our life. And the more we rejoice, the more we're anchored. Philippians 3.1 says it this way. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. If you want to safeguard your faith, anchor in rejoicing. That's why we start Sundays with worship, so that we can rejoice. Man, every Sunday we get to anchor in our faith. And you know what? As you grow in your relationship with Jesus, you'll find yourself anchoring in on on Monday You'll open up your U version. You'll read some scripture. And you'll thank God. You'll say a prayer. Maybe you'll put on a Christmas album or worship album. And you'll find yourself during the course of the week anchoring in over and over and over. Makes you more secure. Rejoice. Thought two that Paul shares with us is be gentle. Be gentle. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near, he says. Gentle is being kind and caring, right? It's being a kind and caring person if you embody gentleness. And even a wise, it it could be even wisdom comes through gentleness. There's scriptures like Proverbs 15.1 that say a gentle answer turns away wrath and a harsh word stirs up anger. I love to use that with my kids when they raise their voice. Remember my quote is, volume is weakness. They hate that. Don't you, girls? You're like, volume is weakness, girls. And they're like, I don't care. And you're like, a gentle answer turns away wrath, a harsh word. You get quieter when they get louder, and they're like, I hate this. Then I'll throw, how are you feeling right now? I'll just go full on stepfather home alone on them. You know, I put on a sweater. How do you feel right now? So fun. Dad, being a dad sometimes is just a license for mental torture. And uh, so when, when you look at Mary, she's gentle. She's mindful. She thinks on these things. But her challenge is to be gentle to all. And our challenge. That our gentleness needs to be evident to all. This is hard. Imagine 
being gentle again with those shepherds as they walk in the delivery room. Hold it. No, we're supposed to come in like the baby's been born, right? Imagine being gentle when like it gets crowded because they went through the town telling people. I don't have makeup on yet. I don't know. I just think of the, don't you dare put that picture on the internet, right? We get nowadays. And you're just like, they're all in the room with her. But she has to be gentle to all of them. And she's got this spirit of, of gentleness to be mindful of these promises that are being shared with her. The angel shared with others. And she knows she saw an angel. And Joseph saw an angel. And she's like, how do I parent let alone parent the Son of God from here on out. The overwhelmed intimidation of that. You know the number one cause of anxiety for people? Other people. It is. It's like, what are they thinking? Is, is that an undertone? Is that, ooh, what do I do? You know, and that, that whole reality of um, others and how we deal with others. And Jesus is still saying... We need to be gentle to all. So that guy that drives you nuts at work, yeah, gentle. That person who cut you off on the road on your way to work, gentle. Just a gentle nudge on their back bumper. I'm just kidding. You know, just gentle. Be gentle. You have to use your mind to be gentle. I, I don't think you could do it without your mind. Because Mary was mindful of these things, it says. It was a mental capacity she had to be gentle. And I think for us, that might help us, is to realize, man, I have to open up my mind to, to, to live out gentleness. And when I feel rage or anxiety or anger or worry, I have to come to a place of gentleness. It's a mental decision. When I get here, I'm always going left. And left is gentle right? You use your mind to remind you of gentleness to keep your joy. Thought three, pray. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. How in the world can he write this? Again, so Paul is writing this. If anybody has the authority, experience, has made it through everything that you can imagine making it through, it's Paul. Listen to this guy's story just a little bit. Uh, he, has, he has great perspective to say, don't worry about anything. Paul used to arrest Christians and kill them. Okay? He um, has an encounter with Jesus. And it changes his life. He, over the course of his life, has been whipped for his faith. Twice he was beaten with as many blows as that one more would have killed him. Uh, he has been stoned nearly to death, which is throwing large rocks. Not, it wasn't legal yet. Anyway, so, um, so not that. Uh, he was homeless. He was left for dead. He was shipwrecked, literally at sea. Just, see ya, Paul, floats away. He, he, he was lost at sea. 
a viper like bit him in the hand. I mean, there's so many things that should have killed this guy, but he made it through. And he's actually writing these very words in Philippians 4. In prison, on death row, waiting to be executed. Yeah, and by the way, don't worry about anything. In fact, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Because really, when you have the option, you can worry about the future or you can thank him for what he's done. He said, wow, okay, Paul. He has the authority, the experience, and understanding to help me know that prayer is a key to keeping my joy and not letting worry and anxiety steal it away. When you leave your <laughs> when you leave here, you are probably going to get in a car, go eat some lunch. You're gonna relax. Maybe you're gonna watch a a Hallmark movie uh, that you DVR'd because it's Christmas time. What else is there to do? You might put up some decorations. You may kick back and watch. The Seahawks win another game tonight. You, you know, just the reality of you're going to talk about who made it into the playoffs in the NCAA football. Just whatever happens this afternoon. We got it pretty easy. We're not floating out to sea right now in cold water that could end our life. We're not getting beaten to one lash less than death. I think we have it pretty good. So when Paul says, don't worry about it, okay, okay, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to find this. I'm going to find a way to pray myself through whatever I am facing. See, prayer puts God in the equation with your anxiety. Well, we're all going to face anxiety. I'm not saying it's unnatural. In fact, some of us are going to face it to such a degree that it overwhelms our life and paralyzes us. Boy, if we could just squeak in there, gentleness and in prayer, I think God's going to get a foothold that is so desperately necessary. And we're going to put God in this equation of our anxiety. And we're going to allow hope to creep in. And that hope is going to give way to peace in our life. Joy that will overflow. You can see how God time and time again has done amazing things. That's why he gives us the scripture and wants us to daily read it. Because we're going to see over and over he helps somebody through a situation just like ours. Or way worse than ours. You're going to see God is true to his promises. And that his love endures forever. You're going to see that all that could come our way is conquerable. In fact, even the miraculous can happen through prayer. Paul says a lifestyle of joy comes from rejoicing. Being gentle, praying, and then accepting peace. Thought four. Philippians 4, 7 says, you will experience God's peace. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. So it's beyond our understanding. It's just a portion that we cannot express of peace. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, that's one of the passages I pray over people in a moment of worry and loss. If I've ever prayed with somebody who's lost a loved one or has bad news and worry is at their doorstep, I always pray that passage. God, I pray that you would 
give them a peace that would guard their hearts and their minds. Because our mind is going to go crazy with worry. Our heart is going to be paralyzed and sick. But God, I pray you come in with a peace that guards their heart and their mind in Christ Jesus. So that they don't turn on the very one who can give them joy. Because oftentimes, isn't it easy to go, God, how could you? But if that peace guards our heart and our mind, God, I need you. Because I don't understand. We need to accept this peace. And then we can respond instead of reacting. We can live this lifestyle of rejoicing and gentleness and prayerfulness. We can have peace and not just a a normal peace, not just a, okay, I'm calm. No, this is a peace that is like a defender of our world, of our heart and our mind. It sets up guard so that the things of this world don't take us out, mentally or physically. When anxiety and circumstances come and try to steal your joy, God's there and his peace is there to guard your heart and your mind. It's a pretty incredible promise. Well, then we're challenged with the next step, right? If you call it a step, it's a thought. Meditate. Now, Thad, you're getting weird on us. That's a, that's a word, right? Meditate could be one of those words that makes you go, I didn't know we did that. We're uh, practicing, you know. Yeah, actually, the Bible talks about this. It says, Philippians 4.8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. What is the word meditate? If you go back in the Psalms, you can read Psalm 1, and it says we should meditate on God's word day and night. That just means that meditate means we should think on these things. We should meditate on what is honorable and right and true and pure and lovely and admirable. Our thoughts should be given to the things of God. We need to fix our thoughts on Scripture. We need to fix our thoughts on the promises of God instead of the worries of our day. We need to fix our thoughts on all that could work out good and well and best. That way we can respond out of a lifestyle of joy instead of a crippled state of worry or anxiety. Mary meditated on these things. She thought on these things, it says. She thought about all these promises for this son of hers. That she divinely gave birth to. As a virgin. Unfathomable. But yet she had a peace that was unfathomable as well. She had a joy that was unfathomable. Final thought. Live out what you learn. So it concludes Philippians 4.9. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you've heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. It goes back to kind of what we talked about last week, right? To obey is like this source of joy. If we'll just keep doing what we're learning, if we'll put into practice what we're learning, if when we come to church, we don't just listen, we take notes. Maybe it's on the app, on the fill-in, or maybe it's on the physical one you were handed on your way in however but you grow you you realize i am here to be equipped for life we become learners we become learners so that we can become practitioners of the faith 
As you obey the word of God, you'll experience more and more joy. Your joy will overflow. And you'll respond instead of react. You'll be defended from anxiety's attempt at stealing your joy. Now, what can anxiety look like? You're going, where is this message going to go if you've noticed the title? The pebble. Well, our action point today is that we need to respond with joy. And let me share what the pebble's all about. Have you ever had a pebble in your shoe while you're out for a walk or a hike? I think it's more painful to have a pebble in your flip-flop. Like instantly, if you, why kids go to playgrounds with peat gravel in flip-flops? I have no idea why, because that's the first thing that happens. They get one step in, and they're like, ah, ah, ah. But going on a hike, I don't know what kind of a person you are, uh, if you are an immediate stopper, or if you're a shaker. Um, I am, tend to be a shaker. You get a pebble in your shoe, and I'll just keep taking the hike. I've got this thing in my mind that tells me if I could just wedge this pebble not under my foot and somewhere else, all is good. I don't want to stop while I'm on a hike. I want to keep going while I'm on a hike. I, I want to be persistent and aggressive and keep moving because, like, momentum's important if I'm out on a hike. That, and I can't see my shoes to bend over and untie them and get the pebble. I'm just kidding. I can't. Uh, but, you know, you just go. The, the reality is I'm, I'd rather just keep my momentum and give a shake. Well, we, a few years back, went on a very long hike, maybe a longer hike than I anticipated. Uh, some families attending at the time wanted to be baptized where they went camping as kids, this lake called Basin Lake up in the middle of the Cascades, about 13 mile, was it 13 mile round trip, something like that. We uh, wanted to do a baptism in the wild, so we hiked up into this area and, uh, they said, you know, wear comfortable shoes. And I was like, I'm not a hiker, and I don't really have a good pair of shoes, so I better be equipped. So I went and got a pair of hiking shoes. Because I was also, the next day after this, I was flying out to Indonesia for 30 days. I was going to go out into the jungle and build some churches. So I, I needed comfy shoes for that anyway. So I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some comfy shoes. I'll just, I'll just break them in on this hike. That's not a good idea, by the way, to break in a pair of shoes on a 13-mile hike. We were on this horse trail, and, you know, so there's switchbacks. And I was glad that everybody else needed a break. I was so out of shape. Uh, I was just exhausted. I mean, the first time we took a break, I just thought I was going to die, right? And I'm, I'm breathing hard. And lucky enough, like, it was a horse trail, so it was full of dust. So every time you stopped, you were, like, you know, getting the rocks out. We got lost a little on the way up in the middle of the woods and took a little few extra hikes in the midst of it. When we got to the baptism location, I tried not to let on. It was surely evident, but I thought I was going to die. I was exhausted. I was so exhausted. Like, I was heat exhausted. My water was out. It just was not a good scenario. I was laying there. I just needed to help. And luckily, like we ate and I regained strength because we hiked in and we were hiking out that night because I had to fly out the next day. And uh, that's when the problem ensued. We were getting too close to dark. So we horsed up a little bit of the incline to get back out and, and then we were going to hike down, but it was, the sun was setting. So on the way out, 
those rocks that got in your shoe, those little pebbles, you couldn't, we couldn't stop to get them out. In fact, we jogged by flashlight in the dark, and we kind of suspected we were being tracked by mountain lion, right? We were freaking out, actually. And, and to, to, to jog a few feet for me is impressive, but like to jog down a mountain was like we were beat. And when I got to the bottom, those new shoes, a combination of the shoes and the pebbles, I mean, I took those things and I was just like, the socks were a complete loss, right? Shoes were so dirty with all the dust and stuff, but the pebbles, they fall out and you put the shoe back on and I was just like, oh, wow, that feels really good. <laughs> you know, it was, just, it was amazing to just like, you get that out of your shoe and you're like, oh, that's, because we didn't pause on the way down. We just kept going kind of in fear of we're going to get stuck out here. So uh, when you take anxiety like a little pebble, like a trail of life, it's going to get in your shoe. Anxiety is going to get in there. And you have to choose what you're going to do. Are you going to keep going so long? Like I forget how many blisters I counted. My feet were ripped up, right, for days. And you just go... Why do we do that to ourselves? Why don't we just deal with it initially when we first fill the pebble? Why don't we just rejoice? Why don't we pray? Why don't we begin to, to make the things of God has done in our life the forefront of our attention instead of the worry the forefront of our intention? Because anxiety wants to be our God. But God has overcome that. He wants to defend our peace. So when will we put into practice what we've learned? When will we just start to pull the pebble of anxiety out and keep it a pebble before it rips up our faith, right? That's what I'm going to pray over you today. Because I want us to have joy this season. Lord, I thank you that you give us joy. You give us the ability to respond to whatever life can throw our way. You give us the ability to respond with joy. I pray that God, you would open up our hearts today and our minds to Jesus. However new that is to our life, but that God, we would embrace the, the, the peace that only you can give us that will guard our hearts and minds to, in this place of joy that you want us to live, this lifestyle of joy. And God, I pray that the things that have come against people in this room, that just the anxiety's depth of infiltration, that anxiety would lose ground, and that joy and a peace that guards the heart and mind in Christ Jesus would begin to just defend the souls and minds and hearts of every individual in this room. God, we cling to your truth. We cling to your promises. And we want to put them into practice. We want to respond to all life has to deal us with a depth of joy that's unfathomable. God, if somebody in this room is yet to invite you into their life, if they've yet to choose to follow Jesus, may they do it right now. May they simply say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to follow you as Lord and Savior. And I want to live this life of joy that you promise. 
God, as we continue to unpack joy in the next couple weeks leading up to Christmas, will you stir our hearts to put into practice what you've revealed to us in Philippians 4 today? Whatever comes our way this week, in that moment where we're tempted to exit gentleness and get angry or worried or anxious, may we back up, take a deep breath, and thank you for the peace that you're giving our heart and our mind. God, come and flow into our life. Let us live this lifestyle of joy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.